Now, John chapter 6, very familiar passage. Uh, you follow in your, your copies as I begin reading at verse 25. I'll read through verse 35. Here we go. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, that endures forever. Hey guys, the word bread is found um, a whole lot in the Bible, more, more than you might think. Um, uh, some 350 times is the word bread found in the scriptures someplace. And we're gonna, we're gonna track the word down for a couple of three months, uh, in our, in our communion services. By the way, for those of you who are new to Gracie Van, we, we, we try to take these sacraments very seriously. There's only two of them. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. And, and we want to make the Lord's Supper more than just an add-on at the end of the service. It's not an add-on. And so once a month, monthly, we set aside a service that's really designed to get you to concentrate not on what I say, but on what you see and what you handle and what you taste. It's, um, it's a sacrament that is one of the purest, clearest statements of the gospel ever to be found. And so we emphasize it here at Grace of Anne once a month. And so for the next three months, we're going to track down this issue of bread that's found so frequently in the scriptures. Bread was a big deal for people in the ancient East. Uh, it was, it was, it was the all important commodity. D- to illustrate that point, um, do you remember the story of Hosea? You remember that? Hosea? <laughs> the prophet who married the prostitute by the name of Gomer? You know, I always love to say this. Anybody who would marry a woman by the name of Gomer is just asking for trouble. But, but he married Gomer, and she got herself in a real bad way by her prostitution and ended up on a slave block. And uh, she's being auctioned off um, to, the, to the highest bidder. And you remember, you remember Hosea in chapter 3 bidding on his own wife? And do you remember what he bid? Fifteen shekels of silver and nine bushels of barley? 
My point is, grain, which led to bread, grain was so valued that it became part of the purchase price for one's wife. How about that? I'm going to buy and sell a wife with bread because it was that all-important commodity. In, in several places, um, the term bread came to be used as, um, as a term that meant food in general. Remember in Genesis 3 when God says to Adam, uh, in pain you will eat your bread? Well, the, the term there is being used to, to, to include all of his food. It's a, it was so central. In, in Leviticus 26, it's called uh, the staff which I think is where we get the the term, the staff of life. It's called the staff. And when God got ready to judge people, you you can see this in Isaiah 3, when he got ready to judge Israel, his threat was, I'm going to remove bread from you. That is, the, the worst thing that could happen to a people is that God would withhold the bread because it was central. To their, to their ongoing health and their ongoing existence. So, when Jesus in John 6 shows up and calls himself the bread of God, in verse 33, his, his audience was all ears. I mean, for us, a loaf of bread is, you know, a loaf of whole wheat or a wonder bread. But not for them. They used it as a payment price for a wife, you know. It was important to them. And so when he calls himself the bread of God, these people were all ears. And then in verse 35, he calls himself, he says, I am the bread of life. And and whether they understood all that he was saying is, is doubtful, but they knew that he was saying a mouthful, no pun intended, that he was saying a lot when he calls himself the bread of life, the bread of heaven. Guys, most commentaries that you read on John 6 will suggest to you that all of John 6 is nothing more, or at least after verse 15, is a commentary on this verse 31b when, when they said, you know, we want bread from God, you know. Well, then he responds to that by saying, I'm that. You know, in the in the mind of a of New Testament Judaism, the Messiah would bring manna, like like it happened in in Exodus 16. And so he performs this miracle in the verse 15 verses where he feeds the five thousand, and everybody concludes, oh, that's him. That's him because. This expectation of ours that, that the Messiah is ultimately going to give us an endless food supply. <laughs> there he is. Because there's the food supply. This is the person that we've been looking for because he gives us something to eat. I guess, um, they missed his point. And here's my point. Some of you are going to miss his point. They missed his point because what they were looking for was something physical. Just give me a meal. 
So instead of searching for a savior, they were searching for a meal. Instead of longing for forgiveness, they longed for more food. And because of because they were so bent on finding something physical out of this Messiah, they missed the whole thing. And some of you here this morning are going to make that same mistake. You're far more sophisticated than ancient Israel. You're far more intelligent, perhaps. But you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it because to you this is something purely physical. It's a snack. It's a ritual. It's a piece of religious hocus-pocus. It's none of that, ladies and gentlemen. It's the purest or one of the purest, clearest statements of the gospel that we have available to us. It's a reminder that through bread, broken, that the needs of our soul were met, that Jesus Christ is our nourishment, that Jesus Christ is our sustenance, that the thing that gives life is a relationship to him. What this sacrament ultimately wants you to hear, at least a portion of what it wants you to hear, is this. You need this more than you need your next meal. Or the one after that. Or the one after that, or after that, or after that. These are symbols that are supposed to draw you to the source of life. Knowing that he's my sustenance, he's my nourishment, he's my life. There's this great statement in the one of the Psalms where the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Okay, my brother and sister in Christ. Come taste. Come see. That the Lord, he is good. Let's pray together. I do ask, O oh God, that this time around this sacrament might not be wasted. It might not be missed. That if you brought people here today who have just decided that this is an opportunity to relax now. I don't have to engage Because that preacher is done. Might they see that they have missed it? Might you cause the rest of us, all of us, to see that what's going on here is something far, far more meaningful than just religious exercise. That this is an occasion where our eyes are to be opened to see the richness of what Jesus does for his people. That he not only um, teaches, but he himself is all that the soul needs. Meet us in this sacrament, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.